Welcome to the pilot episode of the Basketball Index Podcast, where we talk about data and grades and talents and everything about data you could ever want to know about basketball. And in our first episode, we'd like to announce that our preferred destination is the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am Tony East. I will be a frequent on the Basketball Index Podcast. With me here, the founders of the site, uh, Karanjus McBasketball, as you may know him from Twitter. Uh, I'll call him Tim. Tim, how are you doing? Tony, I'm having a, a good time so far. Good to hear your voice. Um, yeah, I've been excited to, to get this together for a little bit, and I'm happy we're finally able to do it. And the data man himself, Jacob Goldstein. Jacob, how are you doing? I'm doing good. It's a good day. We finally got this going. It is a good day. And we did finally get this going. Do you guys have a preferred destination before we actually talk about basketball index? Are you referring to the Blue Wire Podcast Network? Anthony Davis has demanded two locations, and now you guys are going to demand two locations. Just give me something. Oh, geez. I feel like Memphis would be a fun team to take over. Nice. Um, the Pelicans would be a fun team to move to Seattle. Yes. Oh, no. Okay. That's harsh. Jacob's picking the Spurs. No, I don't oh. want to take over the Spurs. Uh, I'd probably go like Nets because – Brooklyn's a cool city, and I like what they have going on. Nice. And then uh, let's do let's do the Heat because Miami's dope. Who doesn't want to live in Miami? So Tim is the founder of uh, B-Ball Index. Tim, I would like for you to talk about the site and why you founded it and what your goals were, et cetera. Sure. Thanks, Tony. Uh, so, I mean, it, it was a group effort. Um, Jacob, obviously a, a large part of it. Uh, his, his official title is the Chief Analytics Officer. Um, so he drives a lot of that side of things, but I, I guess you're right. I was able to help put everything all together. We, we had a site we launched at the beginning of this past NBA season, really tried to focus on taking the data that we already had in all kinds of different places and Google spreadsheets and Google docs and putting them all on an actual site, bringing that to people and trying to equip a great set of writers, people just like you, Tony, um, with, with some of those analytics and, really help provide a different edge to the coverage that you can see for all different teams around the NBA. Um, in addition to that, we also had our gambling models, um, NBA, you know, against the spread over under, um, we're in the playoffs now for that, uh, college basketball. We had a second great March madness in a row. Um, and now we're right, uh, starting off the season for WNBA. So that's uh, another thing that I guess makes our site a little bit different from, other places where you'd get your basketball written content, but um, it's helped from a business standpoint, helped us open different doors and, and do cool things like this. Um, so year one was good. Year two is going to be a lot better. And, and there's a lot we can't say yet, but year two is going to be great. Yeah, Jacob, you're behind a lot of the analytics. What made you want to tie all your stuff together and be a part of this? Uh, one day last probably a year ago, maybe a bit over. Tim messaged me on Twitter and, and I knew him pretty well through Twitter. Like we had interacted a good number of times and uh, had had good conversations before. had been on his podcast. Um, and he, he was just like, how would you like to uh, take your stuff off Google Sheets, put it on a real site? <laughs> and it sounded great to me. And a, a couple months of development later, we got it all. We got it all done. We got the site launched ready for the season. And it, it was fantastic. And it's been great so far, especially all the work we put in last summer into the talent grades, the player talent grades, which we'll talk a little bit more about later. Um, but really thinking about 
what different stats we can use to model how good players are at different things. It, it was a really interesting challenge and something I had wanted to do for a while, but finally had the impetus to get going. This is now the uh, Take It Off Google Sheets podcast, guys. We are changing the name <laughs> on the fly. So you just referenced um, disseminating how good players actually are. And one way that is commonly done uh, in basketball circles is stats and specifically impact stats or advanced stats. Um, frequently, people poorly use stats like PER and win shares. Do not ever use those again because player impact plus minus uh, is where you should be going. And that is the... Uh, impacts out of choice over at the basketball index. Jacob is the brainchild behind PIPM. That's been around for like three years now, right? Um, in some capacity, yeah. The the current version that's used is about a year and a half old. Um, but the first time I started working on it was three years ago. So the goal of the stat was I essentially wanted to build my own RPM, BPM, uh, the various well-known impact stats that were out there at the time. Um, but at the time I didn't know how to run like regularized data and do ridge regression and all the stuff that you'd need to build the, the RPM or RAPM stats, which are, you know, RAPM regularized adjusted plus minus has been the benchmark of, of straight on off stats for what's considered good for a while now. Um, and then RPM is ESPN's variant on that, incorporating box score into it. So I wanted to be able to build my own version, and I didn't really know how. Uh, so I just decided I'll, I'll do on-off data, uh, use luck-adjusted on-off data, which accounts for shooting variants, um, generally things that are outside of an individual player's control that happens when they're on the court, to combine that with the box score and really try and estimate how good someone is, how much they're helping their team in the specific role they're being asked to perform. And I think it's done a pretty good job. I'm, I'm really happy with it. It's definitely uh, begun getting more accepted in not just the Twitter sphere, but uh, among NBA teams, I've had wow. positive feedback come back to me, which is something I never imagined would happen. So it's been really exciting. And, and hopefully it, it continues going well. There's some improvements I want to make going forward, but it's it's been fantastic and it's worked out really well for those of you listening that can't see us jacob hair flipped when he said nba teams are using pipm well uh and for clarity for those who've never seen it before Giannis led the league in pipm this year which uh mm -hmm. seems right to me what do you think tim that sounds about right I, I would have him up there and he's also one of the top players when you look at our uh talent grades as well yes. so it's, it's nice to see those things align Yes, we'll talk about talent grades later. Um, yeah, PIPM is cool. It's got an offensive and defensive breakdown, which I like. Like Steph Curry, for example, has, I believe, the highest offensive in the league, or is it Harden? Mm -hmm. uh, Harden has the highest for a single year, okay. just by and, a little. And then Harden has negative defense, which, I mean, if you've watched the Rockets, unless he's guarding someone three feet from the rim, he's not a very good defender. Great post-up defender. He is a fantastic post-up defender. Wildly. Um, so I write about no the Pacers, sense. for those of you listening, and the Pacers tried to post him up on switches like six possessions in a row. I think they scored two points. Uh, it was very frustrating. It sounds about right. Wow. Uh, but yeah, I love PIPM. It's my official uh, go-to impact stat now. I, I think it is most in line with what I'm seeing, which I think like what is lost a lot with impact stats is people just use the one that best backs up their point instead of using the one that is 
either the best or you know makes them challenge your thinking so uh if you've never used it i would highly recommend it uh it's on the it's on the website go check it out uh tim so uh jacob for a second could you explain at a at like a high level what some Ooh. of the major differences would be between espn's real plus minus and player impact plus minus and i will say that from an availability standpoint i do love the way that you have pipm set up where we have it updated every single day and you can even go in our data and tools package that we have on the site and filter it by specific games mm -hmm. in the regular season and the playoffs and we have it going back years and years as well um, and even for college so that's uh, a neat way to be able to take one stat and apply it to a larger pool of what we're watching um, whereas you, you know you got to go wait for espn to update rpm every once in a while um, but just in terms of the differences what would you say some of the big things are yeah so the main difference is the way they're incorporating on off plus minus data um so rpm is built off regularized adjusted plus minus and that is in simple terms a fancy regression based off the 10 players on the court uh, the number of possessions they're on the court the number of points scored and allowed and it, in doing that there, there's it comes out with a single per 100 possession value for how good a player is. That's regularized adjusted plus minus. What ESPN then does to make RPM uh, is they add a box score prior, essentially, uh, as an initial feed into the model. So it's to help make it more accurately assign credit for why the team scored X number of points or allowed X number of points. And uh, when I built PIPM, I didn't know how to do that. So I looked at on-off data and decided we can look at how much the team's better with the guy on court or off court and how many how good the team is when they're on court in general and combine that today with the box score uh, and create a pretty similar estimation of players' value. And then one of the things that... Um, really helped improve the accuracy of that on-off data was using luck adjusted or variance adjusted on-off data, accounting for shooting variance and, and things like that. So that the box score component combined with variance luck adjusted on-off data was able to provide a more accurate estimate of what was going on on the court. So that's the main difference is they're running a fancy regression with the box score data. I'm luck adjusting the uh, luck adjusting the on off data and then incorporating box score data so i don't have the whole league play by play uh regression type stuff going on it's just a, a formula that it all gets plugged into basketball on paper baby so luck <laughs> adjusted for those of you that don't know it's actually super interesting it's something i never thought about it's like if steph curry goes six for ten from the free throw line in a game like you have no con i mean maybe he's injured but like you have no control over that like he's a 90% free throw shooter who just happened to miss three more that game. That's going to make you look better if you were on the floor as a player during that time. The luck adjustment is designed to say, no, no, no. You did not do anything to make Steph Curry miss these three free throws. You did not gain you know, some boost and impact from that. Or the vice versa where Andre Drummond, no, he can hit free throws now. But you get the gist. Goes 15 for 15th in line. It's like, no, you don't get punished for the Pistons mm -hmm. kicking your ass because Andre Drummond is hitting his free throws. And that yeah. applies to every shot, right? Right, yeah. One of the best examples – of how luck adjusted data helps um, 
because even an A2 game sample of on-off data is not huge, and there's a lot of noise in that. Even within luck-adjusted ratings, there's still a decent amount of noise. Um, so one of the biggest examples for where it's helpful is Kawhi Leonard in 2016-17, his defensive on-off numbers were terrible because his opponent shot like 40% from three with him on court and 30% from three with him off court. And I mean, there's probably some of that you could attribute to him and how he's guarding in, uh, uh, the shooters on the other team, how he's getting out to contest shots. But ultimately, there's no way you can really say the 10% difference in three-point shooting is because Kawhi Leonard was on court. That, uh, Like watching basketball and, and seeing how good players are at different things, you know that doesn't make sense. So incorporating luck-adjusted data to find out like what's actually true in a way what what can we actually attribute to this player when they're on court what is something that you know really isn't predictive of what's going to happen in the future one of the key things of the luck adjusted data is it's designed to be predictive for the future so that it doesn't matter exactly what happened in the past much more matters is what what was the process that allowed these things to happen because that's what's going to be repeated going forward in the future and is more predictive of future results and just what's already happened. Yeah. Tim, do you have anything to add? No, I, I think that same sort of concept where you're looking at the the process instead of the results to predict forward is something that, I mean, we see it in PIPM and then we see it in the PIPM model and then also the 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 model that I created um, and, and Mike, who works at our site, has has greatly enhanced it's looking a lot at a, uh, that process um, and the style of the way teams are attacking and even getting into scheme just a little bit um, because that's something that stabilizes a lot quicker than if we're just looking at, you know, how good somebody is at shooting threes or something like that because that can fluctuate game to game. So figuring out what what sh- what is our true north, what can we really hold on to and anchor with um, and then understand that no matter what, you're going to have a little bit of noise. But what is what can we hang on to is something that I think PIPM does very, very well. Yeah, Tim brings up his own model here. Uh, CPOE, we will get to next week, Tim. I don't know if I uh, brought that up to you yet. But we have a lot of data to talk about on the on, at B-Ball Index. So we'll have weeks and weeks of fun stuff. Um, now we want to go forward and talk about the talent grades, which is my favorite thing. It's super cool. Uh, and then Tim's going to quiz us after that. So let's, uh, <laughs> let's get right to that. All right. So PIPM, we just talked about impact sets. Let's push that behind us and move, uh, move forward to talk about talent instead. Um, so that's been, I think, the biggest dis- – I'm going to talk for you guys here. I think the biggest disconnect between – person who doesn't like impact stats and impact stats is they think it's a ranking of best player to worst player. And it's not, it's an impact thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Talent is ranked differently. And that is why these talent grades are so great to me is because it's literally trying to measure like how good you are to skill and not like like your impact doesn't always say that. Like some guys with negative impacts can be really good at things. Like both can be true, but no one can marry that gap because they think that impact stats are a ranking and they're not. So talent is completely separate. And I love that. Um, and I don't know who between you should talk about it first, but I think I'll throw it to Jacob because he is the analytics officer. Jacob, uh, give me like a five sentence background of talent grades here. Okay. So uh, 
as you were saying, a lot of people confuse impact stats for something they're not intended to be. They're not intended to rank players or figure out who the best player in the league is. They're in, instead intended to figure out who within their role is doing the best that they can. So when you have someone who's a superstar with a really good impact number, that is a good indicator that they're a very, very good player. But if you have uh, a role player with a really high impact stat, that could just mean they're in an optimal role. They're being asked to do exactly what they're good at, and they're providing excess value given what they're being asked to do. So the goal for the talent grades was to strip out as much contextual information as possible from the data. So let's try and figure out how good player is at perimeter shooting, accounting for and, and removing who their coaches, who their teammates are, who they were playing, just how good are they at this skill? It doesn't matter for the talent grades if it's positively or negatively impacting the team, because that's a role optimization thing. So we came up with 11 talent grades that Tim will go over the whole list of. And we, we saw, set about using all the publicly available data possible. Yeah, I want to clarify out. that. That for a talent thing, it is important to know that there's no opinion at all based in these because talent mm. things are often looked at like a sliding scale of opinion. No, this is all straight data numbers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we looked at every publicly available data point possible on each player over the last five years, I want to say. And we figured out Excuse me. how to measure perimeter shooting. How do we strip out context to figure out who's the best perimeter shooter? How do we strip out context to figure out who's the best at all these other different things and where players fall on a zero to a hundred scale or F to A plus? No, not A plus, just A. We have no A plus. We don't, we don't have A plus. But yeah, it, it was a really interesting challenge to try and figure out how to measure some of these kind of more obscure things with the publicly available data that we have. And it was a great challenge. And I think they turned out great. I'm, I'm, I very rarely see something in the talent grades or where I think to myself, that doesn't look right. Like they on the whole do a really good job of yeah. encapsulating what players are good at. And it so, is hard to do that for 11 different factors for every single player in the league going back all the way to the 2013-14 season. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think, and I've had a similar experience to Jacob where I'm almost surprised at how little I see that I disagree with. Um, we are a little biased. Uh, well, okay, <laughs> let's just give you an example, listener. <laughs> I'm talking right to you. Damian Lillard's best three skills. Um in this are playmaking, one-on-one -on -one scoring, and perimeter shooting. That sounds perfect, right? Yep. So uh, I just named three categories. There are 11. There go. I'll name the rest. <laughs> How about that? So, that sounds great. So, so we only have 11. Um, these 11 were ones that we did a lot of thinking about, tried to figure out, like, hey, what are the key skill sets that matter? Because um, if you try to think about every skill that a player has, you can get a list into the 30s, 40s, 50s, and we've talked to teams, we've talked to NBA teams who are in the 20s to 30s range. But based on the publicly available data, we came up with perimeter shooting, uh, off-ball movement. So that encapsulates, encapsulates cutting ability and also, you know, how much is somebody able to score off of screens off-ball. One-on-one um, -on -one ability, 
finishing, roll gravity, which might be something that we want to get a little bit into to explain that concept, uh, playmaking, post play, um, and offensive rebound. And those are, those are the eight offensive categories. And then on the defensive side, it's a lot harder to parse everything apart. Um, so we just have perimeter defense, interior defense, and defensive rebounding. And for each of these metrics, we will try to communicate the ratings that we come up with them that we come up with through both percentiles, showing the percentage of the league or the percentage of whoever we're comparing to that they have a better grade than. And we'll also have an accompanying letter grade that goes right along with it. So we try to figure out a good way to communicate this. If if I tell you that somebody has a, a 3.3 assist to turnover ratio, that doesn't mean anything to a ton of people. But if I can tell you that Damian Lillard's assist to turnover ratio is better than 80% of the league, or it's an A minus or something like that, that's a lot easier to immediately comprehend. So those are the ways that we've tried to help communicate and, and spread the information and disseminate in ways that's a lot easier than what the, the struggles a lot of people have with stats is I don't one, I don't know what it is. Two, I don't know, or, or they'll try to attribute it. They'll, they'll try to say it means something that it doesn't. And we see that with the impact stats. And then figuring out how to compare players, or if you see something presented to you, it takes a lot of research to figure out what is good. And there's no question about what good is when it comes to our stats, because we, we do that work for you. All right, guys, we've got an announcement to make. Blue Wire is teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes one five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, a rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. You get all of that just for $3 shipped right to your door. Enough with the cheap razors. It's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your free trial offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your razor for $3. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. That's why you need shipstation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, or your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. And right now, Blue Wire listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use promo code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can even start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, and even Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solutions for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time and with the best rates available. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in blue. That's ShipStation.com, 
then enter promo code BLUE, that's B-L-U-E, ShipStation.com. Make ship happen. Another thing I like about them, you know, you just talked about comparing to a group, right? So I have Damon Lillard in front of me. I'm going to keep using him as my example. If I told you Damon Lillard was basically right in the middle of the league in terms of offensive rebounding, that makes sense. He's a guard. He's tiny. Uh, he's super aggressive. He crashes the board. So, you know, being a slightly above average makes sense. But we have it set up so it can compare to guards or it can compare to a type of guards. For example, when you compare two guards who played over 500 minutes, so guys who play basically – uh, Damian Lillard is better than 75% of them at offensive rebounding, which makes a lot of sense. So when you filter out all these big guys who are plotting under the basket and grabbing everything, it's like, oh, wow, Dame, compared to his peers at his position, is very good at this skill. Exactly. Yeah, and we're able to do that with, like you said, minutes, positions, and you can go point guard, shooting guard, small forward, all the way through. You could go guards, wings, bigs. And we even have different types of offensive roles. And, and actually, we're going to be revamping those soon, as soon as I get a chance to. With uh, but you can look at, week. like, be ready for that, everybody. We'll, we'll talk about it, yeah. But but you can look at, like, only spot-up wings or only players that were used as glue guys or different things like that. And those usage types are based off of their synergy play types, which we can talk about another time. But that's, like, how much you're isolating versus posting up versus running the pick and roll. So you can look at players who are used in similar ways and then compare them. And that enables us to say things like, well, you know, Jason Tatum compared to spot up wings, he's he's excellent across the board with a lot of different categories. But if we want to compare him to players used as creators, which is more of that like primary scoring option, those grades look a lot worse. That's a different caliber. And this is the type of info we can use to say, hey, take whatever random player we can say, all right, they might be a better spot up wing than like a rolling popping big or something like that. Um, it allows us to fit usage pretty well, or also say, hey, if we want to see if LeBron would be a good small ball five defensively, we can pull him up and then compare him to centers and see what his interior defense looks like, not just compared to his position, but compared to the new position you want to put him in. Yeah, exactly. All these comparative features make it much more easy to see you know who what actually is good what actually is bad and i like that you said that you know you don't have to compare a player to just their own role you can compare players to something outside of their role to see how truly good they are um and i like so to to get a step further the kind the best way to use these the two data things we've described you pipm and these talent grades i like blending them to see you know and we have we have other ways of explaining this but who is the most optimized in their role per se so I'm bringing up Damian Lillard a lot, uh, and I might talk about him some more, as well as two other guys, Brooke Lopez, uh, who's going to be a commonly named player on this podcast, I would imagine, mm-hmm. um, and Danny Green. So PIPM has Brooke Lopez finishing this past season as the 14th most impactful player in the league. Is that correct, Jacob? 14, does that sound right? Um, yeah. 14, that's 15, right. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I remembered. Uh, and Damian Lillard is ninth. Now, uh, I'm going to ask both of you this. Is Brooke Lopez the 14th best Basketball player in the NBA? Absolutely not. Yes. I respectfully abstain. <laughs> no, the answer is no. Nowhere close. And that's something that a lot of people will see and say, that is garbage. There's no way that could be right. He's not the 14th best player in the league. Correct. And that's not what this PIP And we agree with you. Is. And the I stat agree. agrees with it. That, that's not what the stat's saying. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you blend this with his talent grades, you scroll on over to Brooke Lopez here. He finished 
as an A role gravity player. Thanks a lot to his pick and pop play. Uh, his finishing was good because he was good around the basket, you know, and a lot of the things Brooke Lopez did this season were set screens and crash the offensive glass and be that three point shooter. And compared to the entire league, not just centers, the entire league, he grades out in the 70th percentile as a perimeter shooter, you know, uh, things like that, I think do a better job of showing like, okay, here are the things Brooke Lopez is good at. And then the bucks use him perfectly in that way. And because of that, that's how he's able to have a high impact. Absolutely. It's such a key thing in the NBA to optimize role. Um, not just, not just with looking at these numbers, but if you have a player and, and, you know, I talk about the Lakers a lot, but I'll use Brandon Ingram as an example, because he's what inspired me to put together. We actually have optimization ratings that look exactly at this. He is a player that was a wing that was being used like a point guard for several years, tons of pick and roll, tons of ISO. And he wasn't good at those things. Um, so if you look at his impact data, it was very poor. If you look at his efficiency data, it was also poor. Um, but in specific areas, he was strong. And we could say, hey, if, if the Lakers were to use him as more of a wing than as, you know, the guy receiving the sixth most ball screens of anybody in the league, he would probably have a better impact. Um, so he was in a role too big for himself or just misaligning with his skill set. But at the same time, if we are to take, you know, LeBron James, and we're going to give him, I don't know, Marco Bellinelli's role, he's going to be very good in that role. Maybe not a perfect match with the running around shooting threes. Um, <laughs> that was probably a bad example. But what I'm trying to say is he's able to do things that you just wouldn't be tapping into because of the role you're putting him in. So in the NBA and in, in basketball in general, you're constantly in a stance of we want a role that matches your skill set the way it is today, not the way it was a year ago or the way it will be two years from now, because the way we can get the most out of Tony is to put Tony in the best position to succeed based on what Tony's good at right now. Not who he, we want him to be. Two we might want you to be Kevin Durant, um, but we can't play you like Kevin Durant or you're going to go out there and, and you're not going to have a good PIPM. You've um, never played with me before. I have not. We're going to have to <laughs> set this up. No league. Uh, I hate to bring up Danny Green because Jacob is a Spurs fan. and that, okay. Does that trade still haunt you to this day? Yeah, but <laughs> well, Danny Green's I, another guy who is a great reflection of blending talent and impact. Well, because and this is good too because you can watch this right now. You know, some of you might not have watched Raptors in the regular season. You're all watching the finals. What does Danny Green do? He shoots threes and he guards Steph Curry. Right, that's mm -hmm. all Nick Nurse asks him to do. And it was like a joke. I think it was against the Sixers. He had a game where he like had two hilarious gaffes where he was dribbling and turned it over because Danny Green can't dribble. It's like a thing. So Danny Green is an A perimeter shooter and an A minus perimeter defender and a D one on one player. Like, and it's, and the forty percent of players are worse than him at, at playmaking. And he's a guard. Like, like these line up perfectly with what you see Danny Green doing on the court, whether it's guarding Steph Curry or hitting a bajillion threes in Game Four or turning the ball over against the Sixers. And times, like, this is exactly what you can see this guy do. And that's why I think A his impact is so high because Nick Nurse only has him do the things. He's good at. I think he finished 20th or 19th in PIPM. 20th. Yeah, 20th. Look at me. Uh, and B, you know, that because he's so well optimized, that's why he's so good. And yeah, just I think Danny Green, like Brooke Lopez, is another another good testament to this. Yeah, I, th I think, I mean, I, as a Spurs fan, getting to watch Danny Green for whatever it was, seven years, eight years, a long time. It, it, he very much was a guy who was very good at two things and bad at everything else. He's a good defender, good shooter, 
And if you ask him to dribble, it's going to be a turnover. So it's it's very long. Even when he was with the Spurs, Coach Pop put him exactly where he needed to put him to succeed as as well as possible. And Nick Nurse has continued that in Toronto. Danny Green's great at that, but do not ask him to do anything else. So compared to guards with 500 minutes played, what percentile do you think Danny Green is in as a playmaker? Zero. I'm going to say like 15. Five point wow. four. I was closer. Spot. <laughs> Spot. Um, Guess is one-on-one compared to guards? Also 5%. Both Fs. So if you need more uh, confirmation that these things perfectly match what you see and what is happening on the court, uh, we can do that next week. But we want to get out of here. But Tim wants us to do a quiz so we won't leave yet. And we'll have Tim quiz up <laughs> on perimeter shooting. Tim, what is your quiz? Yeah, guys. So I have the uh, list of shooters who had A perimeter shooting grades. And I'd like to see the two of you go back and forth and try to name people on this list. How many are there? There are 23 of them, but we don't need to name all 23. But what I'll say is if you name somebody that's not on this list, you get a strike and three strikes and you're out. So we're going to see who's going to win the podcast. Well, we can see one. So neither of us can say Danny Green. Okay. Yep. Straight A, not A minus. Straight A, no A minuses. No A minus. I get no to go. I get to is go there first. A, is there a minutes I, limit? Uh, there is no minutes limit. I get I'll to go first say, because I didn't make the data or the grades. <laughs> <laughs> okay, who who you got? Uh, I'll go with Otto Porter. Otto Porter is on here. Yes. Steph Curry. Oh, yes. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> that was such an easy one, and I didn't even do it. JJ Redick. Uh, let me see. JJ Redick is not on here. Oh, I got a strike. He might be an A minus. Yeah, I'll look it up after. Kevin right. Durant. <sighs> Kevin Durant is not on here. That's good. He he is an A minus. I love it. Oh, I'm really curious what JJ Redick is now. Okay. Um, man, I feel like we know Danny Green. I can't say Danny Green. I'm trying to think of like you know like like uh like spot up guys who like that's that's their thing, man. That's their, like like Ryan Anderson wants to be the guy in name, but I'm not gonna say. Yeah. There's there's a there are a couple good Spurs on here. Ooh. Oh, oh, Bryn Forbes, baby. Bryn Forbes, baby. Bryn Forbes. Wow. <laughs> um, there's another. Oh wait, no. Does he let's still keep it with the Warriors? Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson is on here. It's the entire guys way too drop, long. Man. Yeah. <laughs> I I want to be a hipster, man. I want to guess the non <laughs> Is Buddy Heald one of them? Uh, yes, he is. All right. 95th percentile. There we go. Malcolm Brogdon. Yes, Malcolm Brogdon, one of my favorite restricted free agents this year. So as we continue, and I'm eventually going to lose this, I think that this exercise is good in showing how good these grades are because we have named a bunch of phenomenal shooters and they've been on there. That's true. Um, Tyreek Evans was last year, but there's no way he was this year. He was busted. There's no way. Um, Man, this is getting harder now. I'm thinking of crappy teams, and I shouldn't be thinking of crappy teams. (laughs) Who's in the finals right now? There's a one of the guys on your team, Tony. Um, on your team, wow. Uh, is Miles Turner the one? Uh, no, he's, he's not. Nice. I don't think Boyan would have got it. I don't know who that is. Oh, I know who it is. I'm an idiot. Oh crap. <laughs> so that's two strikes. Is that it is two zero strike. right now? I have two one. Two one. Okay. I, I guess Kevin Durant. And Kevin right. only an A minus. Yeah. Do you have the percentile for him <laughs> pulled up? Uh, no, I only have the A's pulled up. We can look later. 
he's for sure he's for sure an a minus he's got to be really yeah he is i remember he had like all a's all season we tweeted about it um there are more spurs is all i'm gonna say bertons yes oh he led the league in percentage that's 96th percentile but guess what i'm on the line here but i I can throw there are more spurs we did shoot a crazy percent from three at least i can throw mcdermott in confidently now did he no, he's not on here. What? I thought that was the pacer for sure. No, it was Bojan. Really? And so more. so a note on... I didn't on... feel like he was so awesome. I mean, he was really good. But... So let's talk about that. The okay. way... So if, if I... Tony, if I were to ask you, or ask anybody, how are you going to look at how good of a three-point shooter somebody is? Like, what's your, like, go-to stat? <laughs> what would the average fan's go-to stat? The average person is going to say, uh, oh, three-point percentage. Exactly. You got to incorporate attempts in there, man. Exactly. You got to look at attempts. You have to look at how open somebody was. Some. Yep. So, uh, I, I think if if you compare, I did this a couple of days ago trying to prep for this. If you look just at raw three point percentage and you look at our grades, the person who has one of the larger differences is James Harden, because yeah. he only shot what like 35 percent, mm-hmm. but he was just taking crazy difficult shots all the time. So he's a very good three point shooter, and, and and our grades reflect that. But his percentage itself is lower than it might otherwise be. Was Paul um, George one of them? I got my Paul George was one of them. Mad. Yeah, Paul George is on there. Okay. Um, Danilo Gallinari's on there. Joe oh, Harris, Kyle Korver, oh. Landry Shamit, uh, Rudy, Rudy Gay made it. The Jingles Rudy, made it. Yeah. What did Rudy uh, Gay shoot? Three. Really? I'm not sure. Seth Curry's on here. <laughs> the clicking and clacking of me and Jacob researching <laughs> Tobias <laughs> Harris. <laughs> We, you keep naming good shooters, so yeah, and, and that's, and that's most of the list. Has been wildly successful. Yeah, we should do this every week. That's fun. We we can do it with the different different filters, different grades. <laughs> the best center compared to guards at something. <laughs> that would be fun. And there are some players like that. There there are a couple guys who are like the guard versions of centers. Like <laughs> them compared to all the other guards, Tony they're the best at like. So like Thaddeus Young yeah. compared to Biggs, he's a very good perimeter defender, um, and maybe shooting, playmaking. Eh. I don't remember. <laughs> I'm, I thought I named the wrong name. You yep. got me Pass. the Pacers. Pass. Yeah. Well, guys, did you have fun today? I did. I learned some things. You I learned my own stat. <laughs> I was gonna say you learned some things. That's shocking. Yeah. And, and what I'll say is, we have a lot of data to introduce a lot of different types of data. And there's a lot that we're even working on behind the scenes that we can't talk about yet. Um, so, you know, bear with us the next couple podcasts as we introduce different things. But the the more we get into this, the more and more we're going to try to have these fun discussions and apply these concepts to the games we're watching, the draft, free agency, mm-hmm. the finals, all that different stuff. So yeah, I, I'm was, excited for where this could go. That was going to be my addendum too is, we have to knock out grades, PFPM, CPOE, optimization. Lay the groundwork. Lay the groundwork. So later on, we can do tons of quizzes and go player by player or team by team and see where a guy might be struggling more than you think or why a player is more impactful than you think. And, and those kind of discussions are actually very fun and riveting. And, and it's great. We have all the data to explain yeah, why. Free agency. Not. Talent grades. I'm, we didn't have them for the start of free agency yeah. last year. So working on a playmaker or shooter, I can tell I'm you. I'm really it. excited. Yeah, as soon as someone makes a signing, we can immediately because impact's great, impact matters, but every team's going to play a player differently. Roster construction matters. I'm really excited. 
to be able to look at the talent grades in real time as signings, trades, drafts, all that stuff comes in. And you, listener, you can too. If if you head over to... Tim pointed at his camera on his computer when he said you, the listener. That made me really bad. Yeah, I'm talking to you. Uh, <laughs> you, you can too if you go to our site, yes. bball-index.com. And if you go over to, to our, our premium section, we just have a five bucks a month data and tools package. And there, I mean, there got, there's got to be over 20 different interactive spreadsheets. Yeah, we're in adding now. stuff every two or we three weeks. Literally new. today, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, um, I sent it to you. Yeah, we've got all kinds of stuff on the NBA, WNBA, college, uh, the G League. Um, we can get some international stuff in there. I've been working on international PIPM. Wow. We got all kinds of stuff. You can go in here. You can look at any player, any grade versus any filter of players. We have a trade machine. Um, we're working on a free agency hub, or I'm not sure what we're going to call it, but you'll be able to go in and say, hey, if the Lakers sign Kemba Walker to a deal for this many years and this much money, what is the percent chance that he returns a positive ROI on what they're going to give him? So in real time, you can go in and see, was that a good deal or was that not a good deal? Zero percent. Probably. Please don't Whoever the Lakers sign... Even if it's like Kevin Durant, I'll give it as well. Now that's not good. Uh, even if it's Clay Thompson, I'll give Wild it as well. I didn't mean to do that, and I'm mad that that is how people are going to remember the end of the show. Uh, I can't um, wait to see yes, who we have replacing you next week. Tim stole my whole thunder. Yeah, bball-index.com is the place to go for all this stuff that we just talked about. Do you guys have anything you want to sign off with before we uh, get out of here? Follow um, us on Twitter. Follow the site oh, on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Twitter. Uh, so, so Twitter. The, the site. <laughs> The site is uh, the underscore b-ball underscore index. If you just type in b-ball index, you'll find it. Um, you can find me. If you just search Karanjus McBasketball, I'm pretty sure I'm the first thing that pops <laughs> up on Google. So so give that a try. Um, Over Impractical Jokers? Uh, oh, actually, now that they have the Impractical Jokers, Karanjus McBasketball World Tour, it's, it's number one <laughs> and I'm number two now. And I have people DMing me and they're like, hey, these guys stole your name. And that's not true. I, I, I took the name from a... One of the bits they do on their show. Big fans of them. I, I've spoken with some people that work on the show. Um, so they're not like angry at me for taking the name. But no, I am not. They, they did not steal anything from me. But search Cran, just find the, the Twitter one and you'll you'll figure me out. Jacob. My Twitter is Jacob E. Goldstein. It's really straightforward. <laughs> if you just search Jacob Goldstein or PIPM, I'm sure I'll come up. Yeah, Jacob's got the B-Ball Index logo in the background of his sort of picture, too. I do. And I'm also, I got a little, what are those things called? Oh, bitmojis. Bitmoji of me in a Spurs jersey <laughs> holding the beer. The B-Ball Index logo in the background. It's a real winner. This is a family podcast, Jacob. No, is it? An adult. <laughs> Wait till you guys find out what C-Ball really stands for. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is it for the first episode, the pilot episode of the Basketball Index Podcast. We'll be back soon to talk CPOE and optimization, and I'm sure another quiz that I will lose at by guessing several players. So thank you guys so much for joining us, and we'll see you soon.